left it in the corner, gets up center. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Forever Mighty Podcast. We've got uh, quite the show, it's good to be back. It's, holy shit! It's the hockey season again. <laughs> That's kind of what I feel like. I mean, I don't know what you guys have been right, feeling like, but in and a swear word. That's the way it goes, dude. I've been waiting a long time to talk, and, and uh, we've done many shows without him, so it's nice to to get back on board. Uh, welcome, Steven, into the show. Steve's uh, going to be contributing. Something's burning in his house. It looks, and Jason's in somewhere else. And I don't know. We got a lot of weird background. <laughs> We've got a, a very interesting start to the season, but uh, thank you guys for tuning in and waiting around for us. Um, Eddie, are you there? Oh, yeah, I'm here. I'm oh, just, okay. in, I'm we just can't admiring see Ed the intro. Ever. Those of you who are new to us, uh, <laughs> you can never see Ed. Ed can only see us. It's like a weird thing he's got going on. He's like Wizard of yeah. Oz. It's an odd fetish. <laughs> the wonders. Uh, yeah, there's D- D- Dave already in the chat saying, I have a couch fort in my background. <laughs> Every every show, there's an issue with my background and where I'm recording. No one likes what your background I, is. I already knew going in. Out of all the backgrounds, you get I crap. knew all day I was recording in a room I've never recorded in. And I knew it was going to be mentioned within the first couple minutes of the show. And Dave... Eddie is undergoing extensive background checks. Uh, yes. All right. All right. Let's move on. <laughs> Boys, two nights till hockey... Ducks hockey tomorrow we got the NHL. I think Emily Kaplan tweeted today there's like 112 116 like, consecutive days of hockey are coming across the NHL. That's insane. Feels good. Feels nice. How many consecutive days did we have for the bubble? Did that was a lot, right? That was a decent amount. There was a there was a lot of hockey in that amount of time because you guys had half, like, play in round all that, that stuff. I'll take it. It had to be. No Zegras, though. No. It had to, guys. Where do you want to start, Ed? Now you kind of you just tossed out the it's hottest topic that's across place. Twitter right now. <laughs> I didn't even hear. What? <laughs> With Zegras. Did you want to talk about No, Zegris? I don't want to talk about Zegras. I'm upset. I'm upset <laughs> Halloween. We'll get to that. All right. We'll, we'll start with this. If you're joining the show, we're supposed to be breaking down the duck season, projecting the roster. Um, so we have to start with a few different things. The Ducks placed nine players on waivers. Uh, Anthony Stolarz, Andy Walensky, Andrew Potyorowski, Chase DeLeo, uh, Vin, I don't even know what his first name is. I'm guessing it's Vinny Letary. That just sounds like a Vinny. Uh, Sam Carrick, Andrew Agazzino, and David Backus, and then Kristen Juice. And Kristen Juice was claimed off waivers by Detroit, which was a sad day for Dave and, and a lot of Ducks fans. Not everybody. Some people are more realistic, but... I think, I think it wore black all that day and that night yeah. and the following morning. <laughs> and then when I talked to anybody about it, I just I wore black. It was just that side of a day. What we have to mention about it is that means he beat out several players on this roster. That just doesn't make sense to me. I think that's the I don't care that he got taken and we didn't get anything in return. There was no trade or whatever. But the fact that he lost out to like Hockenpah and Larson. 
I don't understand how that works. Hey, we can't even maybe see training we, I mean, camp, so maybe he did great. Maybe he yeah. just was not good. Oh wait, wait. What do you mean? There's the the the, the ducks didn't do any <laughs> streaming footage. Oh, who does that? Oh, just everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing <laughs> I to say though about Juice's wasn't Juice's cap hit like 1100. Was it one one? Ah, uh, yeah, I, I don't remember. Deal... I think it was over one. His contract extension or his one year so extension. So that's he had a million dollars. Why they waived him because they were trying to finagle the cap because Bob Murray doesn't think about what that when he signs the contracts. Just later down just the road, we'll fix it later. Years. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. it could be. He's on the red. Think about that. But um, million. So it, it would have to. You have to see how that compares to Larson. But we know the Ducks like Larson. No matter what, um, I don't think he would have been a candidate to get sent down. I mean, he has more NHL experience, or at least more experience playing for the Ducks than any of the other guys we listed, Hackenpaar, Curry, or Juice. But I mean, I'm I maybe a bit surprised that Hackenpaar didn't get sent down over him. Like I said, we couldn't see training camp, so who knows how bad Kristen Juice was? Cody Curran's waiver exempt, so that wouldn't have factored in it either way. So he really <laughs> did just lose out to. Larson and Hackenpuck, because Maher is also waiver-exempt, and, and he could get sent down, and Benoit was also waiver-exempt. So he loses out to fan-favorite Jacob Larson and Yanni Hackenpuck, <laughs> who played a handful of games last year. You, you know, it's disappointing, but I'm not going to say it's the worst. You know, it's not a Shea Theodore-type reaction. You know, right? We Christian Juice played right. nine games for the Ducks last year, looked pretty good. Who knows if he was going to make an impact this year, and at the very least... It opens up a spot potentially for Josh Mahura, and now we have Ben Hutton who comes in and, and fills a little bit of a different role. We have plenty of third pairing defensemen, so like it's like, oh no, we lost one. All right, we got five more. Uh, who who wants to kind of just fill in? Maybe a little bit of a minus. Oh, we'll sign Hutton, uh, a, a professional tryout, and we'll see what happens. But uh, at that point, he's like, oh, we didn't, we didn't lose a top five we lost to six and name somebody else who can just step in at this point although juice is fun to pronounce so i get it yeah i think the thing about like i'm definitely one of the people that was bummed to see him go i'm really high on him i think for me he is a proven capable defender like the degree to which you knew every night holzer was going to be bad (laughs) he is that for competent like he's just good he's just fine he, you know, he would be one of the players I would be the most comfortable moving into a second pair when an injury happens. Of, you know, him and Hawk and Paw and, you know, we have no idea about Kern or anything like that. So, I don't know. I think for me, like, he had a very, he had a high enough floor that he would have brought stability and he could play both sides of the do you think his role kind of got eliminated the moment we signed Kevin Shattenkirk? And not to say that Juice was a shoe in to be <clears throat> top power play, but Shattenkirk comes in and that's his spot, right? You know, we look at Juice's usage at the end of the season last year. He was getting put on the top power play because the Ducks couldn't figure anything out there. Um, right. And then, you know, he's more of an offensive defenseman rather than he, you know, has an impact on both sides of the game. Not to say he's bad in his own end, but I feel like. <laughs> You know his role kind of got filled, or the potential role he had as being an offensive catalyst for the Ducks in the back end by Kevin Shattenkirk. And now you look at what the Ducks are likely trying to get out of that bottom pairing. It is kind of a shutdown type role. And you look at Ben Hutton comes in, 
Uh, Jakob Larson is a two-way defenseman. Yanni Hakenpa is six foot four, two hundred twenty pounds. You know, the, he he plays a certain role for the Ducks when he's out there. And you do have Cody Curran, who's waiver exempt, who can fill that offensive defenseman role. It, it you know, I again, we don't know how Juice did in training camp. Maybe he had a bad training camp whatsoever. But it almost feels like the Ducks had enough guys that could play that way that they wanted to take the chance, send him through waivers, and, and maybe he could rotate in for some of those guys when they need a bit more of an offensive, offensive presence in the lineup. I mean, yeah, you could say he was maybe sheltered a little bit just because most of his starts were in the offensive zone, but he's also a third-pairing defenseman on his team. So it's hard to read too much into his usage, really. Uh, they're going to put a guy that's if he's if he's not in a top four, where is he his strongest? That's the offensive zone. So I, I like like Jay was saying, it doesn't really hurt. But also to Steven's credit, too, <laughs> it's not Corbinian and Holzer. And I, would, I would have much rather had Christian Juice than a number of defensemen on this team. So it's kind of sucks, but, I mean, it's, it's not going to kill us. And, the, and this I, team's already not looking like a playoff team. Yeah, I, th- I think he's a hole plugger. Like, I mean, even if, like, there's an injury somewhere in there, then maybe he kind of gets up into that. But I feel like Larson probably does all of that anyway. So, I mean, I, I just feel like Juice would just probably be that bottom third for the most part. I feel like they they got enough guys that can plug holes. They don't necessarily need all of them. And, yeah, I think it was maybe, hey, he's got a lot on the contract. Let's put him down. Let's hopefully he squeaks by. Didn't get that way. Detroit picked him up. And then we got caught a little bit. But I felt like it was a, a calculated risk where, hey, if we put him down, we got other people that are going to fill that same plug that he could have done, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a perfectly fair way to put it. Like, he definitely wasn't – losing him wasn't a huge risk. It was, we've got a couple of these guys. He's got the highest cap hit maybe, so we're going to move him down, give ourselves the wiggle room. Worst comes to worst, we lose someone we like but not someone we need. So I think you're absolutely right on that. Um, I just think for me personally, I would have rather had him than a handful of other players. Yeah, I, I was looking forward so, to seeing him play. Like I, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie and say, you know, I'm, I'm severely disappointed that he got claimed off waivers by Detroit. But out of all of those bottom pairing guys we mentioned, he was probably near the top of my list of a guy I wanted to to see get a chance and 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 see if he could yeah. stick in the lineup. Easiest name to want to say too. Yeah, the juice is loose. We lost that now. It's Detroit's thing the now. Juice is loose. <laughs> you know, there's always these players that. You know, for for some reason, their fan favorites everywhere they go. I mean, if you ask Caps fans when Chris and Juice came over, they were devastated that they lost him. I don't whether that's because of his name or or because of his play style or whatever. And it's the same thing when he when he leaves the Ducks. We only had him for nine games in an off season, and that's it. And you know, a lot of people are. Upset Dave wants. I mean, I guess that speaks to the state of the franchise right now too. <laughs> we're we're all pretty upset over over losing Chris and Juice, but uh, or, or Grant. If you lose Grant, I mean, the Ducks lost their mind. Well, we always know he'll come back though, because he always finds his. Own I know. So he's, yeah, he's a boomerang. Um, he's a... One guy we have to talk about if we're talking about bottom pairing defenseman is Brendan Gooley. Announced that he's out six weeks due to a sprained knee ligament. Um, when we talk about disappointing and not being able to see guys play, I think this is is pretty high in the list. Um, you know, the the main piece coming back in that Brandon Montour trade. You know, Braden Tracy is is slowly making his way to the Ducks lineup, but this was the the main the only player that we got back for Brandon Montour, and hasn't been smooth sailing for Brandon Gooley so far. And obviously, this is is kind of puts a damper on on his uh, story so far with the Ducks. But you know, it's six weeks. We'll get him back hopefully mid February. 
and uh, he'll hopefully he'll work his way into the Ducks lineup because along with Mahura, like this is the two most promising prospects the Ducks have in terms of being close to NHL ready. Yep. Well, I mean, is this why they brought in Ben Hutton? Because <laughs> that's seller. <laughs> it just seems like it. No, I know it's not. But uh, it is kind of a, a massive blow to the Ducks, right? This is one of the young defensemen that has a lot of promise that we keep hoping is going to make make that step. You know, he's had he's had nights where he's played really great, nights where he hasn't looked so great. People say that he needs more seasoning, needs more of this, more of that. I don't think we've seen enough of him at the NHL level on a team that's decent enough to give him, um, you know, a score as to what he really is. So it's pretty disappointing to lose that guy for six weeks, especially because it happened during a scrimmage. So that sucks. So bummer for him. But, um, you know, this this season, I don't think it was really going to be telling for anybody as to what who's going to bring what to the table. So hopefully he gets well and gets back in the lineup so we can see him at some point. That's I. I think you're right in so much as I don't think this season is going to make or break any player's career. But I do think because of how odd the schedule is, this is going to be a good opportunity for us to see how Akins makes adjustments. You know what I mean? When you play the same team three times in a row, like if you're not changing things, you're not learning. And that's that in and of itself is going to be something we're going to see a lot of. Or, sorry, we're going to have the opportunity to learn is, is Ekins the kind of coach that we trust to make uh, in-game things and changes like during a playoff series down the line? Um, but the other thing is I think you're going to see which players fit the system. And that's the thing about Gooley, who on paper, right, Eakins wants to play a more up-tempo skating game, but still be, you know, responsible, all that coach crap. Gooley is kind of the guy you look at as being able to do that, right? He's got the skills to make a first or second pass. He's got the skills to skate with the puck. He's young enough that he can grow with Eakins and things like that. So I think Gooley more than some of the other players, it's a bit of a bummer. Like, Cam Fowler is what he is at this point, and I don't think he's going to change much under Eakins. I think it's kind of what I'm trying to say. At this point, can we just trade Brendan for his brother, Caden? And just, they look like, <laughs> they look close enough alike that maybe nobody will notice. It's and it's Montreal. I mean, let's be honest, Bergevin's not going to notice the difference. <laughs> <laughs> Were you guys waiting for Corey Perry to get picked up today? Kinda. I, I knew it wasn't going to happen, but I wanted it. <laughs> it going to happen, but yeah. My party was like, they just dropped Kristen Juice for a million. They could just sign Corey They just Perry. needed that excuse. <laughs> they already have him signed. Play him on defense. He's, already, he's a right-handed shot. He's already being paid $6 million. <laughs> Let's sign him for another mil. Exactly. Why not? Uh, did, did you say put him on defense? Yeah, yeah he's, he's, a right, he's a right-handed <laughs> He shot. can barely skate going forward. <laughs> I, I would Stay-at-home defenseman Corey yeah, Perry. Why not? The only the only way I would use Corey Perry right now on the Ducks is like, hey, you know, bench minor, Corey. Yeah, we, he's we your guy. He's your 13th forward for the night. Just need you there for, for a little bit until we get this all sorted out. The only problem with playing Corey Perry on defense is he's going to fall in his own goalie. And, and we're <laughs> tanking true. throw and power. Is that such a bad thing? <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's, let's, let's cover... Ads. <laughs> Let's uh let's cover some of the AHL's assignments because there was a bunch bunch yesterday a few the day before that 
Not really super surprising here. Braden Tracy, uh, Jacob Perot as part of the new NHL-CHL agreement for this year with no OHL season. Perot and Drysdale are able to play AHL until the OHL has a confirmed start date. Uh, Antoine Moran, Jack Kapaka, Benoit Olivier Gru all sent down to San Diego. That was the first wave. Uh, uh, what? Did I admit? Irvine. Oh, sorry, to, to Irvine. Yes, they're playing. The goals are playing at Great Park Ice. If uh, if you guys haven't heard for this year, uh, which basically means there is literally a walk down the street for them to to come up and play for Anaheim. So, uh, it depends if there's traffic. The, the, really, the taxi squad means nothing. Now, I know the Ducks are practicing at Honda Center, but literally the goals will be practicing in Irvine, which is not. I mean, it's essentially it's the same thing. It's it's like. Um, yeah. 15, 20 miles yeah. away. Josh Mahura sent down. Jamie Drysdale sent down today, along with Trevor Zegers, which bummed a lot of people out. Um, Lucas Dostal, Pot Yurolski, DeLeo, and Simon Benoit all sent down to San Diego. Some of those guys could potentially make their way to the taxi squad because you do have to get sent down or, or clear waivers to go onto the taxi squad. I doubt it. Most of those guys seem like they're going to get time in San Diego. I think maybe Mahura is the only one who could potentially jump up but when we you know when we get to projecting the roster later there's a few guys in front of him right now who make a bit more sense so nothing super surprising with those uh assignments there no it makes a lot of sense go between the taxi squad and the rosters they should have just expanded the everyday roster yeah why should taxi again yeah I think it's like logistics, it just, right? Because of cap? Well, that is just a way to scoot around the cap. That's all it was. Well, that, yeah, that and then the other part of it, too, is it's about having players with the team that you can call up so you don't have to call someone up when a guy gets hurt for four games and he doesn't show up till game four because of quarantine. Right. But, so, like, I understand why, like, technically they would still have to clear waivers in a normal season, but, like, the whole reason you have this is because it's not a normal season. So to me, I just think it's dumb that they're going to kind of defeat the purpose of having it by making the players clear. I just think it's stupid. That's all. Yeah. I, I, I think they complicated it where it could have just been, like you said, just expand the, the roster and we're all there, but making this weird taxi squad where like all of a sudden, like if they're, their uh, salary is this way, or it's AHL or NHL. And if they're two way and they got to clear waivers, it's like you just added a whole bunch of complications to the whole, the whole thing. And uh, yeah, it, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And then it's like, well, who do you put on a taxi squad that can't now play at all or do anything with the AHL? So it's kind of weird to have, you know, like a Trevor Zegras. Why would you put on a taxi squad on the opportunity of possibly playing because? If he's a guy like that, you'd probably want him to just get games in, get reps in in the AHL versus, hey, I'm just going to practice with a team and learn what it's like to be an NHL player at practice and never get to play or at the most get seven games in here and there. He's like, let that guy go and be good in the AHL. Why why do one of these things? Or let him play in the NHL. Let him make the opening night roster. I, I don't understand. If he, it, I don't understand the, 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 first the idea behind the it. So do we want to do this right now, then? <laughs> yeah, let's do it right now. We're already on it. Um, <laughs> Steven's ready to do a tag. Oh, yeah, he's re- <laughs> Everybody's ready to talk about Zegras. Uh, 
listen, like I, I've wanted to see him play. I wanted to see him get a shot in the lineup. I understand why they're not doing it. I mean, the Ducks do this with almost all their prospects. They get them AHL time before they come up. Uh, you know, I know with this performance at the World Juniors that got a lot of people hyped and, you know, for good reason, expecting him to potentially push for a roster swap because of that. But, you know, looking at the comments from that Eric Stevens put out from Dallas Eakins today is that they want him to get a bit more development time. And not only that, him and Drysdale just skated for the first time, I think, Saturday. Like, that was their first introduction to Ducks camp. Like, these guys are going to need a bit more time anyway. And, you know, Aikens said in his comments as well today that, you know, we don't know how long he's going to be down there. Could be one day, could be two days, could be a week, could be a month. It all depends on how well he, you know, transitions over and how long it takes him to get game ready. And, you know, he... Not surprised he's not on the ice and in the in the lineup for Thursday, but it doesn't mean two weeks from now that he doesn't make his NHL debut. Uh, I I still think there's a chance that they could promote him up sooner rather than later. They just he just needs time to get up to speed. That that's the thing I think too, right? Like is that's the thing about it for me is I like that he's going to go through a pro level training camp. You know, I mean we can have a lot of issues with the way the Ducks organization as a whole runs. But the one thing I think you can say is that under Murray, there does seem to be a standard level of professionalism that goes from the top to the bottom and goes through San Diego and that kind of stuff. And so I think having Zegers get a three week training camp around professionals and with a coach and have a slightly less, uh, just a kind of a less stakes way to kind of learn the system, learn, kind of what it's like, you know, to play every day that way. I think the training camp can be good for him. So, you know, I and I think, like Eddie said, I think he's going to be up sooner than later. I don't think there's anybody, unless he just isn't ready, there's nothing in front of him to stop him from taking a spot, especially if they're fine playing him on the wing for the first year. Now, is is his name Zegris or Zegris? I say Whatever both. you're feeling in the moment. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I said Eakins and Aikens when I was talking about that. I See, I always say Eakins, and then somebody will say Aikens, and I can't get it out of my head, and then I'll say Aikens. Zegris and Aikens. It's the same with Dreesdale and Drysdale. I hear both. Dreesdale? <laughs> I've heard it before. <laughs> that's a Canadian thing. Oh, that's 100%. The Dreesdale is Canadian. Oh, yeah. I think Guaranteed. it was Cam Robinson who I heard say that on Dimitri's podcast, and they were all like Dreesdale, eh? And I was like, Yeah, this is Canadian. So I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's you got to you got to be able to drink milk out of a bag for you can talk like that. All right, all right. <laughs> Eddie's mad. All right, Edward, what's that? How do you how do you not put <laughs> Trevor's Egress in a lineup after he got a goal and an assist defeating Canada at the World Juniors? I mean, how do you not put him? For opening night, I just I don't understand. Three days of training. Three days of learning the Ducks' system, how he needs to play, where he's going to play, who he's going to play with. You just can't just drop that on a, what is he, 18, 19-year-old? The Ducks don't even that, do that with guys who get a longer run-up. Like like they mentioned, that Cam Fowler's the only guy who's been pumped right into the lineup. The Ducks have openly admitted that was a mistake. Yeah. And everybody else has had to play some AHL time before they made it to, to the NHL. You guys yeah. are a giant wet blanket on the franchise. <laughs> do I? Yeah, do I want Zegers playing? 
to like on yeah, Thursday. Oh, yeah. for sure, I want Zegers playing on Thursday. Play. That's <laughs> that's no question. But is it I good for him? No, it's that I don't want him to get ruined. Like fucking. You oh, know. you don't want him to play against yeah. uh, against against Stone and Petrangelo on Thursday? <laughs> I can't imagine why not. Yeah, that sounds like so much fun for him. The only <laughs> argument is Zegers is the highest profile prospect we've had. I it maybe since Korea in in terms of just offensive potential Bobby Ryan. That, maybe that Bobby track, Ryan yes. maybe Bobby Ryan as well but I think you have to go Bobby Stay Ryan like <laughs> <laughs> I yeah I think future. I think since Bobby is a is a good comparison there and even Bobby Ryan Bobby I Ryan got Bobby. AHL time did he not he did. yeah and yep. for the record you know who Bobby Ryan's line mate was his first year in the pros George Peros <laughs> <laughs> well, he played on a line with George Zegers with Grant so. and Delorier. Here we go. There it is. Let's make it happen. <laughs> you imagine Garrett Grant, the ultimate I only score in a duck sweater guy, and Trevor Zegers, who might be this one of the best playmakers the French has ever had. Just the sheer raw chaos. We might get a pretty full season out of Derek Grant. <laughs> you wouldn't want to play with Bacchus you don't think Bacchus could keep up with him I know you were very happy about that one the moment I saw that I knew it was I knew he was getting sent down because it's hazy it's hazy <laughs> making that poor kid play with David Bacchus who even at his best was a hey. offensive talent you know what's surprising they were both fast at one point Milano got beat out of a, a roster spot by Isaac Lindstrom to play on the wing, potentially. Because Milano was relegated mm. to that uh, extras line with Bacchus and Zegris. So it looks like he's probably well, not Jesus, playing on Thursday. Zegris is right wing, yeah, right? He, he, he play, I, guess he, I guess he can play across the front three. Since I've seen him play left and center. I guess he, they were like, oh, okay, you can play on the right today. <laughs> so good. He's good at his playing hockey. Yeah, I, I was surprised by <laughs> that. The you know, we've mentioned on the podcast before, and we've been talking about Zegers and where he's going to play. The Ducks have liked to play guys they think are going to be centers at centers until they're not. I mean, we saw it with Raquel. Obviously, Isaac Lindstrom came out of the draft and played you know seven or eight games at center for Anaheim. Now he's being shifted to the wing to kind of make way because they don't really have a lot of room with you know Getzlaff, Henrik Steele, and and Grant down the middle. Um, but it is showing a bit of a shift here that they're, they're willing to play Zegers on the wing. And ultimately, I think in the NHL, he's probably a winger. He just, I think he just, his skill set works better as a winger. No, Pat, that's wet blanket. Saying that <laughs> Zegers is not the number one center of the future. That's do, you, do you think he plays center with the goals? I don't. I, it's because Eddie doesn't want there to ever be a good American centerman. There's <laughs> only be Canadian. On the Ducks. You guys have Austin Matthews and Jack Eichel, all right? To take it and run. Austin Matthews is maybe one of the top two players in the yeah, world. That, that's so yeah, I'll take that. I'll agree. I'll agree with Ed here. I like Zegers on the wing, like on the wing. That's what he did in uh, World Juniors, and I felt like he didn't have as much responsibility to being the first guy back, first guy forward, guy forechecking. He's not that big of a guy, but he's a guy who can kind of slow things down, set people up. And the Patrick Kane, just a really great winger that can make plays, make assists, make goals, hopefully, at that level. I'm not saying he's at that level, but I, I'd i much rather have him at the right wing right now than trying to put him in center and trying to funnel him into that duck side. I need a elite center, number one guy. I want him there, and then centers are a lot, in my opinion, easier to come by 
good goal-scoring wingers and playmakers on the wing, there's a lot harder to come by. I would disagree on that. That's that's a that's a topic of conversation for another show. Okay. I, I think we'll we'll see it in San Diego, right? Um, you know, Benoit Olivier is playing center for San Diego. There's no question about it. He's playing at he's playing at the center position. Outside of him, you know, I, Antoine Moran Antoine Moran can move to the wing. Uh, it seems like Isaac Lindstrom is sticking with the Ducks and they're playing him on the wing. So there there could be an opportunity for Zegers to play center in the AHL. For me, that will be telling in terms of what they want to do with with his development. If they play him on the wing in San Diego, they see him as a winger. That's that, yeah. No, that's for sure. If what a extended time at center in the AHL, he's a winger. That's it. No, for sure. Because he's absolutely right. They're not going to not play him at center out of spite. You know what I mean? So, like, if, you know, he gets down there and they're like, oh, no, you're a winger. And then it's like, oh, okay, he's a winger now. Uh, yeah, well, that's, that's, that's what happens. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on to the roster. We'll go over quickly the players who are left, who haven't been sent down to San Diego, or who haven't been placed on waivers. There's not many. The the roster. That's a love activity. Ah, these are the guys who are left. <laughs> the guys who who stuck around and haven't been sent down yet. Um, we have. Are you gonna give? Are you gonna give a warning and prepare people for how ugly this list is before oh, we you read know. it? So people need a warning. Time. Oh, we all know. That's all. No, no change. Nobody knew. Uh, <laughs> Actually, before we get to that list, let's head into our first break. Hey, everyone. I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site will charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. So from what we've heard, uh, Aiken said today that two lines are set. It's Raquel, Henrik, Silverberg, no surprise there. Delorier, Grant, and Rowney, again, no surprise there. Those have been okay. the Ducks' first and fourth lines. You know, the, we knew that those were, were going to be guys who were put together. Uh, Getzlaff has been with Heinen, it seems, for most of training camp. Originally, he was also with Milano. Milano seems to have kind of fallen to the wayside a bit. And Isaac Lindstrom is taking that left-wing spot recently to play with Getzlaff and Heinen. It seems like he'll play there for the opening night, I guess, which is now the Ducks' second line. Uh, Steele is still skating with Terry and Comtois. And that leaves Jones, Milano, and potentially Bacchus, even though he got sent down on waivers um, as the Ducks forward group going in. So they've got 14 forwards. They will presumably start the season with 13 on the roster. And uh, a few guys are waiver-exempt in Lindstrom, Comtois, Steele, and Jones. If you guys had to pick, I know we've got the roster here. Who's your who's your 13 guys going into the year? We'll start with, uh, we'll start with you, Pat. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Okay. So we already know Raquel... Henrik, Silverberg, Delorier, Grand Rowney. So we just need the other two forward groups, yeah. right? That's yeah, what's your second and third line? And then your spare guy. I would absolutely go Steele, 
Terry and Jones on a line together. And then I would also do, well, you got to have Getzloff play hockey still, right? So he's going to be on the team. <laughs> Jason's face. <laughs> I would do, I would do Getzloff. I don't, I, I would, I, the, the hardest part about guessing these last guys that I would put on this team or picking these last guys that I put on this team is that we haven't seen anything. Like, you, usually you get to go to training camp and watch scrimmages and all that, see who's playing. I'm not sold that Lundestrip is all of a sudden this player that's going to be able to hang on this roster. I, I mean, I hope so. But um, Getzloff, I would like to see Getzloff play with maybe Comtois and Heinen. And then um, my extra guy would be Milano. Can't I can't dispute it. I mean, we're 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 not going to be too different here, considering we have two concrete lines and fourteen guys to pick thirteen from. Uh, but Jay, Jay, what are your lines outside of the the two that are confirmed here? The two, and the other thing is, I wouldn't put Henrique Silverberg and Raquel as the top line. I would still consider them the second line. I would still think that uh, Aikens or Eakins or whoever you want to call them would be uh, putting Getzloff in every situation where he could succeed offensively and that's your top line so i feel gets lost there because we have almost no even, depth. even though he said he would be fine with taking a role step backwards oh guess like he said he wants someone yeah, to no, come no. in and take over he's, he's absolutely okay with taking a step back but i just don't think he's a second line center yet i think him and henrique are kind of at that passing point and at this point, I still have Getzloff better at faceoffs, better at passing, better at doing everything. Don't get me wrong. They were right there points last season. And I think at the end of this season, Henrik's probably a little bit better. By next season, Getzloff's new contract, he is, accepts a different role. This season, I expect him to be the top center. I expect, unfortunately, because we don't have a lot of right wing depth, Heinem will probably end up being there because we don't want to ruin the Henrik Silverberg and Raquel line. So Heinen's on that side, the left side. I got to see what Milano is going to do on that line. I feel like he's got a lot to prove. There was a lot he was trying to prove when we got him, and then the season kind of ended, and there wasn't a whole lot of him being able to prove what he was doing. But he was a fan favorite, and he was doing really well. Just want to see a little bit more, and I feel like he could possibly do more than what Lundstrom might do on the left wing side. So, other than that, I think that's that line. The third line, I think, is going to be the kids, and that could be either Comtois or Jones on the left side, but it's definitely Steele or Terry on the right, and insert whoever you want on the left side. All right, Stephen, who do you got? Uh, for me, the one I would like to see is I would like to see uh, Getsy and Jones play together. Um, and I just think you need to keep Steele and Terry together just based on complementing skill sets. So I feel like for me that that kind of answers it. It seems like they're going to play Heinen. That's fine enough. I think, you know, the thing here is we already know two lines. So as much as we may want to move different people around or whatnot, we kind of already have to go with it. So at this point, it looks like it's, you know, Jones gets E. Heinen and then uh, Comtois, Steele, and Terry or Milano. Either one there is fine. But for the extra forward, I want Lundestrom. So I think he's the perfect 13th forward. Because for me, I think if he develops, he's going to be Cogman. I, th- I think when we, when we look at the guys left, 
I mean, Bacchus I've included here, but he's a, a, he's a taxi squad player. I mean, he got sent down on waivers. He's not going to San Diego. He's going to be a taxi squad player. Uh, I can't see any other spot for Bacchus. I don't think he makes the opening day lineup because the Ducks have a fourth line already, and I can't see him playing anywhere up in the lineup. From there, we've got 14 guys, and maybe the Ducks run with 14 for Thursday just because you know Ben Hutton might not be ready to go at that point. Uh, just obviously just coming over to the team. I don't know how much he's practiced, but I'm sure it can't be that much. So the Ducks might run with 14 forwards, which means we see two extras in Milano or Jones, whoever, for, for game one. But after that, I think we probably see them run with seven defensemen with Hutton, Hackenpah, and Larson being five, six, seven. From there, you know, you have to place a guy on waivers to go on the taxi squad. So Milano, for me, sticks with the Ducks because they're not going to want to put him on waivers. He's going to be either the extra forward or swap in and out with whoever is the extra forward for the Ducks, which means that one of Jones come to our Lundestrom either gets sent down to San Diego or activates on the taxi squad because they're all waiver except. And from what we've seen, Lundestrom is skating with Getzlaff and Heinen, so it seems like he's going to play Thursday. And Comtois really hasn't been separated with Steele and Terry. The only guy left out at this point is Max Jones. And... You know, he is an easy set. I know, I, and I don't want to see it either because I wanted to see Max Jones play, but the Ducks have so many guys on the roster that, you know, you would probably lose them to waivers if you sent them down. You know, obviously, Troy Terry, you would lose to waivers, and Sonny Milano, you would lose to waivers. So one of these waiver-exempt guys is going to go down. I don't advocate for Max Jones not getting any playing time. I'd rather him being in San Diego, but the Ducks need a taxi squad, and waiver-exempt guys are going to fill up this taxi squad because... You know, it's just yeah. easier to have them there. You don't have to worry about putting them through waivers and calling them up and sending them down. So it looks like he's going to start Thursday as a taxi squad guy, which for me is disappointing. I would have liked to see him play, but I don't know how he gets in this lineup unless he checks in for Lindstrom at this point. Yeah, and that, and that comes down to coaching. And if the coaches look at what they've been looking at through training camp, and if he's not outperforming Lindstrom or in their minds, then. It is what it is. So you either got to outperform the other person, or you get sent down, or on the taxi squad, or whatever. Who's the only? Who's the player you guys are most hyped about this season? That it's not one of the kids. That's oh. not one of the kids. Zegers again. <laughs> I mean, it's hard. Right. It's hard to get hyped about it. Uh, I mean, I would have said Comtois, uh, but he's considered one of the kids for for this lineup. So it. You know, maybe it's it for me. It, I guess it would be the new guy in Kevin Shattenkirk to see what he can do and and see if you know he can bring a little bit of offensive flair to the Ducks blue line and and help revitalize the power play. Um, other than that, like we kind of know what we're gonna get from a lot of these guys. Raquel, that would have been my second. I want to I want to see Raquel do well. I mean, he's he's been subpar the last two seasons after signing the contract, and it's it's team friendly, so that's great. But, I mean, we need somebody to show up. We need somebody to show up on the wings other than Silverberg. That would be great if Raquel is. You don't have to be center. You got Adam, uh, Adam Henrique there. Love to see what that guy could actually help us out because we, we need help on the wing here. Steven? Yeah, I, uh, it's hard. I think, uh, you know, if you don't count him with the kids, I think it's Milano and Heinen. Um you know, I think uh, Heinen just seems like he's going to be a do-it-all, defense-first kind of guy. And that's that's fine. You know, when you're looking at the roster in five years, he's the kind of guy that you have on a second or third role that plays meaningful 
minutes of the playoffs. But, like, you know, genuinely excited, maybe Gibby. You know, yeah. I love Gibby. I love when he's playing at his best and he's feisty and he's making crazy saves. Like, I love that stuff. Um, you know, Manson's always my guy just because he plays hockey the way I like. But there's not a lot to be excited about this season. I just, it's disappointing to say, but as much as I'm excited to watch hockey and to watch these guys come back, there's nobody that I'm like, I want to see the kids, play right, right? It's It's beyond the kids. We all <laughs> yeah. want to see the kids play. We all want to see Zegers play. We all want to see Drysdale play. Yeah. That's why it was a tougher question because everybody wants to see the kids do well and play. It's my pick for. Um, yeah. I want to I I ask one more question about Raquel. Over under, over or under 20 goals this season, guys? He hasn't hit it in three seasons. In 56 games, too. You have to remember that. Under. So that, that's like a 30-goal pace on the year. Uh, I'm going to say under. I would love for him to hit 20 and 56 because that would he be his back. He had 65 games last year, 15 goals. 69 games the year before, 18 goals. 77 games the year before that with 34. That was the last time and, that he was yeah, above. And, that, and at that point, oh. that's the pace he would have to be at to hit 20 and 56. As he, much as I would love to see him do that, I can't imagine in a shortened season, in shortened, you know, condensed schedule, where all of a sudden he's he's even better in the second game. Uh, so for me, I, I would I would say under. But I would hope hope he's really close to twenty at that point. I'm gonna give you something, Pat. Here's what I'm thinking: five goals in the first twelve games. Uh huh. Then the team settles. Then- and he gets traded and hits 20 on another oh. team. <laughs> okay. I'm telling you, he's going to get traded, and I'll take the over. Somebody's getting traded this year, I feel like. I think he's, he's the, the best candidate to get traded. on the team that they'll pass. Yeah. He, he really is, at this point, kind of the prime candidate to get traded in terms of guys who have value. Uh, you look at the contract he has and, and you know, he has the, the extra gear on the contract, too. It's not just this year. He's got another year at 3.8 yeah. mil. Yeah, That's the a age, the previous production. Now, the Ducks would be selling low on him at this point unless he starts off hot. And even then, you're still kind of selling low because teams are going to say, well, you know, he had two good seasons and then two bad seasons. What is he? Is he, you know, the two good seasons? Is he the two bad seasons, Raquel? Is he in between? We don't really know at this point. So no matter when you sell him this year, unless he gets off to just an unbelievable start, you're selling low. You know, so you're you're not getting what you would normally want to get in return for a player like that. But the Ducks might have no choice. Like if Zegers pushes for a roster spot, if he makes it impossible for the Ducks to keep him down there, the Ducks are going to have to start looking at some of these guys and saying we got to move them. Like there's just not enough room for this many wingers on this team. With with you look at guys like Jones potentially missing out, and obviously Zegers missing out, and you know some of the guys that they do have in San Diego that could push for a roster spot too. Like eventually some of these guys are going to have to get moved out. Are you taking the over, the under? Then? On 20 goals, under. I think he probably it maybe could hit 15. I think even 15 and 56 would be a decent year for him. I'll take the over as well. I think he's going to have over 20 goals this season. But I'm not, I'm not sold he's absolutely going to be traded. I would like to see him go for a really good asset, but I'm not sold he's going to be traded. But I, I think he's going to have over 20 we goals. We have to remember the expansion draft is this offseason too. So that will create a flurry of of, uh, moves at the deadline, which the Ducks might take advantage of as well. Yeah, I think the other thing for me here, and bringing up the expansion draft is actually, I think, a great point, because 
I think 15 to 20 games in, Bob Murray is going to have to, well, let me say this. 15 to 20 games in, we are going to know what the team is, one way or the other, right? If it is the team that he magically believes can push for a playoff spot, we'll know. If it's the team that we all seem to kind of think it is, which is middle of the lottery, we're going to know. And so if we get there, then he's got to start looking to move pieces out, especially if he can get picks and guys who are uh, waiver uh, expansion draft exempt. That would be huge. So, you know, I think guys like Raquel or Silverberg have a good shot at finishing this year somewhere else. I'm saying eight, eight, and four. No, that's eight, a good point eight, too. Eight, four after twenty games. <laughs> that's that's what I'm going Ooh. with. Oh, are we predicting here? <laughs> eight, eight, and four after twenty games. I haven't even looked at the schedule. Seven games. Just just knowing who's uh, in this division, it could be worse depending on how many times we play Colorado and St. Louis, and obviously we open with two games against Vegas, um, which we'll get to. Oh, I. Let's let's do that. Let's go around. Let's go around the board, and everyone predict the first twenty game standing. Like like, let's do that. I like that. Um, I'll do. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be the optimist here. I'll I'll go eleven, seven. Do the math. Two. What's left? Two. Just <laughs> <laughs> took math here. Hang on. Steve. Yeah, I. Uh... I don't know who they play. I think I'll go sixteen. Minnesota. Eddie, type this on. Type this on the uh, on the docs. We can refer back to this after twenty games. Steve, what did you say? Six wins. Yeah, I think it's six, ten, and four. It's not. It's not off. The the thing I wasn't thinking about because we. I know you. Mine's mine's really sad. Actually, you don't want to hear mine. What? You don't want to hear my 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 statement. I protect. Like. I know you always know the full schedule, and so you kind of have an idea who the teams are, but like, there's a difference between having one or two winnable games out of six and having three or four games against a team you're confident you can yeah. beat. That will change the way teams go about the deadline because they might think that the sh- there's a strong chance to finish really strong and make a push for the wild card spot. I feel like there's, there's five teams in a really small area and then you got your Colorado, your St. Louis, your Minnesota. It all has to try and come down here a little bit. And it's not necessarily so much of that travel or that wear and tear. And at the same time, it's the same teams you've always played. And quite honestly, San Jose, L.A., I mean, they're going to kind of be with us. Vegas is another story. But I feel like those teams coming in and playing us a little bit more often, I feel like might give us a little bit more of an edge in that first 20. And the Ducks know you got to start early. The other problem is the Ducks and the Kings and the Sharks also don't know what it's like to play in an empty stadium. So they, they also might be a little bit disadvantaged. I don't know. Go, Pat. 5-13-2. We're actually we're, we're all pretty close here. One, that wasn't the worst. Uh, Nate in our chat had 5-14-1. So that was the... The lowest one we had a couple ten seven and three uh, nine seven and four another eight eight and four and uh, Keith had a seven ten I'm and the three. So you are the optimist. You had the most wins out of everybody. I'm the optimist. So. <laughs> With eleven wins. Dave said games. the Ducks play Minnesota Dude. twice, Arizona twice, San Jose twice, and LA once in the first four weeks. I don't know how many games that is. It's less than twenty in the first four weeks, but 
they played Vegas, Minnesota, and Colorado in the first six games. This is not going to be a great start for the Ducks as they come out and somehow pull these victories out. That's that's going to be a tough first game, first six games. I think so. Just even Eleven getting wins. a win on those first four is going to be tough. Eleven wins. I, I'm just concerned about the offense here. I'm not too concerned about the goaltending. I'm really not too. I mean, I don't think. I think the defense has a lot of room for showing what they really could do. They haven't been great the past couple of seasons, but we've seen Manson and Lindholm have have um, have really strong years, and I think they're poised for a bounce back, like a lot of other guys we've talked about on this team, like Raquel and Gibson. Um, and I'm not. Uh, I'm not too unsure about about Kevin Shattenkirk. I think he's going to play great as well. So there's the forward group that I'm just like, I don't know what to expect from this team at all. I, I don't know who's we, – we said it the past two years, who the hell's scoring goals? Obviously, Raquel hasn't been. So we need someone to come in and build a score for us to win. Oh, hey, I just did a Jim Fox. Um, but seriously, there's – that's what makes me have such like a dismal outlook at the first 20 games. That's yeah. the hard part for me. Completely with you. I think if the Ducks are – legitimately competitive through the first 20 games, it will be because the power play is doing well. Because that is going to be the closest bet that they have to generating offense. Five on five, I just don't think they're going to have it. But now that they're bringing in a new body on the power play, a legitimately new body, not just, you know, like Kevin Shattenkirk is going to have the puck on his stick. Um, if he can turn that power play around, there is a chance that some of these young players can pop early. Raquel hits that thirty, that twenty goal mark, right? If he's scoring power play goals and Gibby playing well, which we all know he can, that's that's easy. You can you can scratch your way to seven, eight wins that way, no problem. How easy is this division going to be for Colorado, Vegas, and St. Louis? The the <laughs> the other teams we're, we're talking One, about two, the, the Ducks can't score. L.A. can't score. Arizona certainly can't score. They were just as bad as the Ducks last year. Minnesota, can't Minnesota score. I would put right in the middle. I think there's a, a clear line. Like they brought in Kaprizov. That's a myth. Like, is he good or is he not going to be good? It really is a top three, a guaranteed top three. I would be surprised to see anybody else in that top three out of Vegas, Colorado, and, and St. Louis. The rest of the teams have scoring issues. San Jose has scoring issues. Anaheim has scoring issues. LA, Arizona. It It's going to be a mess for those teams. The only saving grace I could see for the Ducks is John Gibson. What kind of year does John Gibson have? Because we know from watching the Ducks over the, the, you know, the last few years, John Gibson can win the Ducks games on his own. He he's is, the best goaltender in the Western Conference. Period. He's the best. He's the best goaltender in that division. Yeah, easily. There's nobody really close to him. Like Colorado has Grubauer, L.A. has Quick, uh, <laughs> Laner in in Vegas, Kemper in Arizona, Bennington in St. Louis, and Cam Talbot in Minnesota. Like nobody really gets close to him. Maybe Leonard, Bennington, maybe Laner, but Leonard, not really. I think Leonard's second with a bullet there. I think Leonard's good. Yeah, I, I like Leonard there. I, I I think I would like to say Flurry, but I don't think he's going to get the opportunity over Leonard. And I think Leonard is right there. No one's Hard better than Gibson. Yeah, I would I would agree. Yeah. No one's better than Gibson, but I think I think uh, Leonard is right next to it. I think Kemper's. I honest, I put Kemper in between both Leonard and Gibson. And at any given time, I think he might actually outplay Gibson. 
uh, just given the team in front of him. I don't know. It, it's it's rough. It's, it's Jay, what did you think of the comments? Did you read that article about Gibby where they said that his uh, his technique or his um, like school. it might be outdated, outdated. already? He doesn't work on his craft enough. That was a very interesting athletic article. Yeah, it's it's interesting if you if you don't know goaltending very well. But um, they <laughs> they want to look at like the goalies that do the splits and they do those amazing saves and you go like, oh my god, that's the new the new generation. Physiologically, a lot of goalies can't do it. Carey Price cannot do the splits. He cannot get down like that and move the way he does. But every single year, he's top three amongst GMs, coaches, goalie coaches. He just has the technique down. So there's a difference between your your physiological size, your ability to do the splits, your uh, your uh, technique. All of that comes into play. Your compete level, your willingness to find it. Vasilevsky has a six foot five frame. He has the ability to do the splits, and he doesn't ever give up on a puck. That is your quintessential goalie that you'll ever go for. Every goalie is trying to emulate kind of what he does, and they do it to varying degrees within that. So Carey Price is very good technically. He can't do the splits, but he doesn't give up either. So he's got two of the three, and he's very good on the third one. Gibson is very good from a technical and also on not giving up on it. His physiological thing is he's not doing the splits. You're not going to see him do a splits deep down, post to post, legs out. You're not going to see that. So when people see that and they don't see him doing the splits or doing, you know, these acrobatic saves, they're going to say, oh, he's old school. He's a little bit tight and he's a little bit. Well, that uh, was a goalie coach. You know, no uh, name goalie coach. I'm just going to do that guy. He's very good. He's very technical. Yes, he cannot do the splits, but he does a lot of other things very, very well. And outside of the Russians and maybe Jonathan Quick, what other goalie does the splits on a routine basis? Uh, There was a Czechoslovakian one in the World Juniors that I looked at, and in the first game he played, he made an outrageous save. He was in the splits and then just jumped over and grabbed it with his glove. Like, just, it it reminded me a lot of You know who can do the splits? Lucas Dossel can do the splits. There we go. Yeah, he's very good. He's absolutely great, too. <laughs> uh, one interesting comment before we move on from, from the West teams. Dalton brought this up. The Ducks are actually 10-9-3 against those new West teams last season. So, Colorado, St. Louis, and Vegas. Add one more, and we got 11. <laughs> I, listen, I, there's a debate going on in the chat here about where the Ducks are going to finish. Um, we didn't really cover the Ducks' defense. We'll get to that after this. We might as well cover this division right now. There's a serious chance the Ducks could finish fourth, which would put them in a playoff spot. I don't think San Jose, yeah. I don't think Arizona, I don't think LA are significantly better than Anaheim. I think their main competition there for that last spot is Minnesota, depending on how well things gel for Minnesota. They've got a lot of turnover this year. Um, if John Gib- John Gibson's the X factor for the Ducks. If John Gibson plays at an elite level, the Ducks will claim that fourth spot, likely goal scoring beside like there's we already mentioned there's a lot of teams that can't score in this division and the three ones that can are the ones that are going to finish one two three in this division outside of that i don't think it's impossible for the ducks to finish fourth when you look at the rest of the teams in this division yeah no you're absolutely right i I don't think it's at all i think like i said earlier i think the two things that if the ducks have a winning record 20, 25 games in, it's going to be John Gibson is going to be in the Vesna conversation, and Kevin Shattenkirk is going to have the power play up around 
15, 14, 13, like top, you know, ranking wise, if it's in the top half and they are getting a decent amount of goals and elite goaltending, that's it. That's, that's the difference because three of the teams are, are two of the teams, San Jose and LA are, you know, just as bad as the ducks are with arguably less upside. I go, I guess if you're San Jose, you're counting on everybody just having had a bad year last year. Um, but you have two bad goalies. So, and then, you know, LA's terrible, and then it just comes down to Minnesota. And, you know, Minnesota has a great defense for it. So... It's just terrible. <laughs> I love the assessment. Just one of the things, it's like, you know, I don't think anybody thinks the Duck are a playoff team on paper. But they got a bit of a lucky draw on the map, and so now they've got a shot at making the playoffs, which is why Bob Murray can come out and say things like that and not seem like an idiot. Mm. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, if we're trying to rank who's going to get in, obviously you got your Colorado, your St. Louis, and your Vegas. Um, and the only difference I would, I would probably put is that I think Arizona and the Ducks probably have maybe the same offensive output, and maybe Arizona's a little bit better. And then I would think Arizona actually has better goaltending, or at least on par goaltending with the Ducks in, in this instance. So you love Darcy Kemper. Ducks don't are you? Just That's not. me. I love Darcy Kemper, dude. No, I do too. I thought he was. He's been great last. I'm not saying he's bad, but to on par with what the Ducks have. He's not as good as Gibson. Like their goaltending is better than LA, and it's definitely better than San Jose. But your goaltending is better than San Jose. <laughs> no, it's impossible. I don't play anymore. We've been locked out. <laughs> if you had if you had a training camp to work up, it'd be good. Um, so go ahead, if, if John Gibson has a nine twenty save percentage, which you and, and the and the power play. Oh, that was my question though. That I was gonna ask about Gibby before he moved on, which is why we can ask it now. And no. Eddie, did you actually give your standings prediction for the first twenty? Yeah, eight, eight, and four. Okay, you did. Uh, you, okay, I wasn't sure if you're reading that off the chat or you read so many numbers. Um, do you guys think Gibby has an over uh, over under nine twenty save percentage this season? Under, oh, damn nine twenty in fifty six games. Uh, under, but slightly under. I think he probably finishes with like nine seventeen, nine eighteen. I'll say Unfortunately, how many, how many people are always over nine twenty? Pat's got the over on Raquel getting 20 goals and Gibson having a 920 save percentage, but we'll still say the Ducks won't make the playoffs. <laughs> no, I'm saying if they make the playoffs, it'll be because he has a 920. So I wanted I wanted the over under on that. And so I think I think he's gonna have a 920 okay. save percentage. I think he's gonna have, I, I have he's to got a lot question, of people to come after. Because you have Raquel the over on twenty, Gibson the yep. over on 920 save percentage. Do you think the Ducks yep. are a playoff team? I think they finished fourth. Yes. All right. Where did Steven go? I think we lost. He disappeared. He might, <laughs> he, he might be back. But <laughs> he hung up on us. There he <laughs> is. He's back. <laughs> uh, one thing we have to cover because we we didn't do it on our um, our roster breakdown. We didn't cover the defense. It's it's not a long discussion here because it's. You know, we know most of the guys are going to play. Lindholm's playing with Shattenkirk. Fowler's playing with Manson. 
Larson and Hackenpah are likely going to be the bottom pairing. And whenever Ben Hutton is cleared to play, he'll be the seventh guy. Curran is the only waiver-exempt guy, so he's probably taxi squad. Uh, I mean, this you know the, the forward group was pretty easy to predict. I don't see how this goes any differently at this point. There's only eight guys, and only one of them is waiver-exempt. So it's likely that he is the taxi squad guy. I am so excited that Hampus Lundholm is going to play with Kevin Shattenkirk. Let me just say that. Very, very, very excited about that. Well, it's a, <laughs> a lot of pressure off our boy for trying to put up offense, which as much as I would love him to do, it's been, it's difficult for him to be that guy. So let, let Shats do it and let Hampus do what he does best and protect the blue line. I think that's a perfect pair for the Ducks. I agree. Not happy with <laughs> Did you want to Manson, see Lindholm Manson? Dude, that's like Dude, Lindholm Manson is just like my favorite pair in the world because it's like, hey, this guy is so fundamentally sound that he basically can do just kind of do whatever he wants on the ice. Like he's just he can go wherever he wants and it doesn't matter because Hampus Lindholm always manages to use his somehow remarkably large ass and skating to just be where he's supposed to be. And Josh Manson just is, is Josh Manson. And every now and then, Josh Manson has a rush, and he scores a goal, and you're like, I don't understand how that happened. And it's just chaos. And at one point, they were one of the best three or four shutdown pairs in the league. I don't care what anybody says. I'll take that. I, I will sink, sink on, that, uh, on that boat. But I also <laughs> don't think... I think we've also seen that Manson Fowler doesn't work. Oh, yeah. And I would rather just take two offensive-minded defensemen and just let them go. I'm, I'm worried about Fowler Manson. Um, I am. I am. I really am. And we've seen it both be good and bad at times. That's the thing. We, I really don't I mean more bad than good, but there have been a, a few stretches where Fowler and Manson were actually a good pairing. I'm excited for Lindholm Shattenkirk. I, but I would honestly be, you know, worried about Fowler Shattenkirk just as much as I'm worried about Fowler and Manson. I might be more worried about Fowler paired with Shattenkirk than I am with uh, Fowler paired with Manson, just because I don't know who to trust to play defense between Fowler and Shattenkirk when they're together. I mean, Shattenkirk has been brought in to be an offensive presence on the blue line. I'm not sure pairing him with a guy who makes his money, being you know, gets out of his zone efficiently and is kind of a puck carrier up the ice in terms of Cam Fowler is the greatest pairing for Shattenkirk. So I'll take that downside of Fowler and Manson to have, to have Linton with Shattenkirk and, and let kind of Shattenkirk do whatever he wants. Why why haven't Lindholm and Fowler ever been put together consistently? Because uh, Fowler's bad. Lefty, lefty. Fowler's good <laughs> offense, and good at defense that should translate to goodness because uh, Fowler's bad. I think. <laughs> Lindholm is 26 years old and you can't Fowler tease him. At defense, I get it, but Lindholm's not good at offense. so He's not terrible at Lindholm's it. He definitely just doesn't have that shot. He somehow Lindholm's puts up over 10 off- goals a season, Lindholm does. Six in a season? Yeah. Because Lindholm is good at hockey. And when you're good at hockey, sometimes hockey gods are just like, yeah. Right, you're gonna have to talk. You're gonna have to talk to Pat because Pat thinks Fowler's good at hockey too. Sometimes Fowler's good at some things, but he's also very. He's bad not at good at things. defense. He's good at exits and entries. 
Yeah, he's you know really not is? good at, he's fast. at scrambles <laughs> in front of the net. What's you know, skating? That's yeah, Fowler's good at that. Did you see that little twirl that he did that one year? <laughs> All right, we got to cap the um, the division standings because we didn't give our we didn't give our final standings. If you had to predict. Oh. Was it seven teams in the Honda West division? What are your final standings? So, oh, yeah, Honda West. It's eight because I forgot about uh, Arizona. Okay. It's eight. Yeah, eight except Canada. Canada needs a handicap, and Canada gets a bit more. You're, uh, you're not going to get it. So, one says Colorado number one. Yeah, Colorado's number yep. one for me. Uh, yep. I'll now, take number two, I got Vegas. Yep, Vegas. Say Louis. Mm. No, I got San Luis. Uh, I'll take I can understand Vegas, that. Rado one two. That's what we got too. No, he's got okay. Vegas one. It's only Eddie. he's got Vegas one. Oh, you got Colorado Vegas two. one. Yeah, okay. Vegas one. Yeah. Over Colorado. Yeah. Okay, there's a fire behind you, but no one's looking. All right, so number three, I got St. Louis. Uh, yada yada yada. Top three, we're all yeah, good. Vegas yep. for my. All family, right, yeah. number four, I got Arizona. I got Anaheim. I've got. I got Anaheim just over Minnesota. I'm gonna go with Minnesota. All right. No, no one agrees. Well, yeah, we got two Anaheims. Okay. And then number five, I got Anaheim just behind Arizona for me. I have Arizona at five. I yeah, get Arizona. Minnesota at five. Okay. Uh, number six, I have Minnesota. Uh, Arizona. Yeah, me Arizona. too. Yep. At six. Uh, so Minnesota. Right. Now they're really important. The last two California teams. I got LA ahead of San Jose. Oh wow. Yeah, I do too. Oh jeez, you guys like I got San Jose. Uh, San Jose, LA for me. Who do you got, Steve? Actually, ooh, mm, do I want to take San Jose for that six spot? Mm, That's what I, I think. Got. I do. Oh, for six? I think I'm going to go San Jose six and Ducks Kings within three points for the last two spots. Oh. <laughs> so that, wet blanket not quite sure what it was but <laughs> alright so I got LA and I got San Jose especially after uh, Evander Kane can't seem to uh, keep his money in check now oh, he said he's playing, possibly, he's play this season. possibly not playing this season he coaching, needs to play to pay off the point. debt he's got to play it the rest no, of his career no, no. <laughs> alright that's the funny part it's like if he, if he plays then he owes even more if he says no I can't play that's so, weird. It's all yeah, weird. That's a great, we got to talk about that on Pucks and Brews for the next one. I know. That's a whole other. Yeah, it'll be our Patreon Pucks um, and Brews show. Two <laughs> things, and then we have listener questions. So one really quick thing. Anthony Stiller signed an extension, which doesn't mean much other than the fact that now the Ducks have a second goalie that meets minimum exposure requirements for the expansion draft. It means they can protect John Gibson. And they really like him, too, and so do yeah. the players. So yeah, that's really like Stillers. He's not a bad player. Like The extension on its own right, I think, is well-deserved. He could be you know, the backup after Ryan Miller leaves until Lucas Dostal is ready. Like It's a filler right there. I'll, I'll, I'm fine with that, but obviously the Ducks needed to make this signing so that they can meet minimum expansion requirements. So... Yep, you have to have two. Uh, yeah, not nothing really to discuss on that. The last one, which I'm sure we'll have some some discussion about here, is that Pierre LeBrun kind of stated that the Ducks would be interested in Pierre Luc Dubois. He didn't say specifically that they've inquired or put an in interest. He said he brings up the Anaheim Ducks because they have a lot of young assets, and that Pierre Luc Dubois, with his age and skill set, would be a player that he believes would interest the Ducks. I think Pierre Luc Dubois interests thirty other teams in this league. That's what I was going to say. Everybody wants that uh, kid. But he isn't wrong. <laughs> the Ducks do have young assets that, you know, you can move out two or three guys 
to bring in Pierre-Luc Dubois, and you you kind of eliminate two problems there. You bring in a potential number one center, and you clear up some of the logjam for, for some of these guys who are looking to make their way into the lineup. So if that's a, you know, Comtois, Terry, first-round pick, whatever, I mean, I'm the, the package for Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to be immense, whatever it is. Um, but what do you guys think? Like, obviously we would want him here. What it like, what are you comfortable having to give up to get a player like that? Gibson and Zegers. <laughs> Gets lost. Uh, Cal no, if you, if you really <laughs> had to make a trade for Pierre Luc Dubois, he plays center. No. Yep. Yeah. No. Um, I'm pretty sure that I'd be comfortable trading Troy Terry for him. Obviously. I'm pretty sure I'd be comfortable trading uh shoot Josh Manson for him along <laughs> with Troy Terry right I, I pretty much open down the lineup you could just pluck literally uh, anybody. the Ducks excited me and you'd be happy trading me over to you right pretty pretty much you could pretty, <laughs> pretty much pick anybody off the forge group but I would be okay with it. that's a trade I can exactly. see Raquel being traded yeah that's the one yeah. I was gonna say there I mean if you're Columbus, if you're trading purely to ball, he's submitted a trade request, by the way. That's why these trade rumors are out there. Even though he signed the new deal, he... Yeah, he he's, just signed. Yeah, he's asking for a trade, though. But they signed him so that he could play and that they could trade him with a contract. He was a RFA before this. Um, it, I think Raquel is part of that discussion. And if you're Columbus, you probably want to center back. I know they're going to play Max Domi at center, but you would have to think that potentially... You know, in terms of a roster player, it's either Raquel or Henrique. And then from there, you, you kind of work out what the prospect's going to be. So if it's Raquel going the other way, then maybe it's a, a Steele or Lindstrom or somebody that can play center. If it's Henrique going the other way, then you look at Jones or Terry or Comtois, and then you probably throw in a pick there, like a 2022 first. And, and that kind of makes up the package there. I don't think the Ducks are really looking to move a defenseman at this point. I think it's a package of, of forwards, prospects, and, and picks. But if this is a deal you can make without really hampering your prospect pool, this is one the Ducks should be on to get that number one center, especially if you think Zegris is going to be playing on the wing. And I think Pierre-Luc Dubois, with, with his size and his, his skill set and his ability, he kind of fits what we've known to be that prototypical Ducks player as well. Yeah, he's a big kid. He's 6'3". You know, what could be interesting is I wonder if you gave him Comtois and Terry and Raquel and Henrique and took back Brandon Dubinsky, who makes the same as Raquel. I I just I think that would be a very interesting way to go about it. It's a lot of players. Because, it's a yeah, lot of front line. So my, the thing is, is you're not losing anybody you're super high on. Like I would trade everybody but Zegers and Drew That's it. Just, uh, who, I, who's, I who's, gonna, who's gonna come in and replace those guys at that point? It doesn't matter. They're not on the team yet. They're gonna be on the team in three years. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love Steve's style. Man. Yeah, hey, I'm talking about now, not later. Five years, six years. They they have Drysdale, Zegris, and Pierre Luc Dubois. I just, Dude, I'm in. I'm, I don't. So, know. so here's here's Stevens' call over to Columbus if he's Bob Murray. Hey, uh, we want Pierre Luc Dubois. And he's like, "What are you gonna offer me?" And he's like, 
pick any five oh. guys on the roster oh. except for Zegers, Drysdale, and Gibson. And, and, and then give me four yeah. guys you don't want, and I'll take Dubois with it. There you go. That's the trade. He's going to cost a lot. He, he is. He's a 50 to 60 point center who's 22, who's got size, who's got skill. You're, he's likely going to be a 70 point player for the prime of his career. Like, these guys don't get traded often. You know what would but, be. But unless the Ducks are going to have more in the pipeline to support that, you're literally getting rid of a giant piece of your core, throw it away, hoping this one guy gets 70 points and everybody else maybe gets a 30 or some odd. I mean, the only two guys that maybe you're losing argument here is, is Terry and you you also said Contour, yeah. right? And, yeah. Yeah, Contour. and that's and that's, that's Raquel. Is Raquel like 35? Everyone 20, thinks he's on a like, stretcher. Right, but, 27. 27. Alright. So yeah, he's get, on the downside of the sheet. I thought this would be a short discussion. Just... There's no way this is going to be a short discussion. If, <laughs> the, my point is, like, if you're trading Comtois, Terry, Steele, whatever, you know, we don't know exactly what they're going to become. The chances are, and the the good chances are, they're not going to become a like Pierre-Luc Dubois. They're just not. They're not going to be exactly. a, a, as good as he is. Do you package four of them for Pierre-Luc Dubois? Probably not. Do you make a deal like we had kind of talked about here of Raquel and two of them in a, in a pick? Yeah, I think you do. Pierre-Luc Dubois is better than Ricard Raquel. He's a number one center in the NHL now. And he's only 22. He has plenty of room to grow. He's a bigger guy, so it's going to take him a little bit to kind of round out his game. You make this trade if you're the Ducks. You you If it's two of your prospects that aren't, you know, Zegris, Drysdale, Perot, kind of the big names, you've got enough other assets in the system. You know, Braden Tracy's still coming. And Benoit Olivier Gru's still coming. So if you trade Sam Steele, you've got other players in the pipeline. All right, first of all, it needs to be a, a game where anytime Eddie brings up Olivier Grill, somebody has to drink. <laughs> Whenever I can, I will. <laughs> I will always but bring him up. I, I think, think Eddie has to drink. <laughs> I think the thing to remember is if the Ducks traded for Pierre-Luc Dubois, he would be the best player on the team. With the, and the exception relatively of Gibby, he, is, he would be the best player on the team. There is nobody you can trade that would bring more to the Ducks by keeping them, is my thing. And so I just think, like like Eddie said, if you can get him, you do it. Like, I love Lindholm. I love Manson. I would trade almost anything but them in almost any other circumstance. But if it's Pierre-Luc Dubois on the other end, like I, I'm, you can have it. He's, given that it's a known quantity, he's not a prospect. Like exactly. he's not this six foot three center that's coming in that maybe scores thirty goals. He almost had thirty goals his second season. He had twenty seven. In eighteen, he's not, even, he's not even Kirby Dak, who we're excited about, right? He is right now a number one center in the NHL. Thirty goals under John Tortorella, who literally penalizes his players for scoring goals. Yeah, that's why everyone's left. They hate him. Exactly. Yeah. So I just, anyways, I think I made my point. I'm sorry. Compelling argument. <laughs> this is a 15 minute conversation. A good, good call at the end of the show. Yeah. 
we'll we'll pick this one back up because I'm sure it will come up again. Um, you know, these rumors aren't going to die until he gets traded. I don't think he's. What, what is it? What is the chat saying? Any any remarkable trades in the chat? Everybody loves uh, Pierre Luc Dubois. Uh, Nade said Steel Jones Terry 2022 first round pick. Um, <laughs> Dave said Jones and Terry for Dubois. I'll tell you a little bit more. Than that. <laughs> um, a lot. Some people saying that the only untouchables in terms of prospects are Perot, Drysdale, and Zegers, which I would agree with. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and Keith said it's hard to want to trade defensemen anymore after the last few years. I, I if I were the Ducks right now, I, w- I probably wouldn't trade another defenseman. Um, I would be no, looking yeah. to move yeah. on from a forward. It, you know, before I trade Lindholm or Manson, I'd be looking at trading Raquel or, or Silverberg or Henrik before one of those guys. Trade Miller. Ryan Miller. <laughs> I would add D- Dostal to maybe that list of untouchables, depending on what the trade is coming in return. Just because I don't want to move him. I love him too much. All right, here's my question. I want to know where you guys are at on this. Dubois for Gibson straight up. No, because I think you can get more for a player like John Gibson in, in terms of like a, an elite top 5, 10 goaltender in this league. Yeah. You can't you can't touch Gibby right now until There's, you know what you Lucas Dostal is. Yeah, is is Dubois a top center? Wow. Because you can get a lot of good centers that are pretty close to Dubois. You can't get a lot of good starting goalies like Gibson. I agree that it would be harder to replace Gibson theoretically, but well, I also think you can league. see. I also think you can look around the league and see that. All you need is one season of good goaltending. And there is a lot of up and down between those seasons. And if you can bring in a guy who's going to play 80 games, that's huge. No. There's not a no, lot of not, guys not, I would take for not, John Gibson. No, no. Uh, not, not for the Ducks. <laughs> the Ducks need goaltending. If they, have goaltending. if they don't have goaltending, they have nothing. The one thing I don't agree with, though, is that it's easy to go out and get a player like Pierre-Luc Dubois. I don't think it's right. easy to go get a first-line 60-point center no, who's good in his own zone. Um, and now, I think it's hard to get a good goalie. It, hold on, hold on. But it, but time and time again, history shows us you can win a Stanley Cup with a slightly better-than-average goaltender. You don't need a top-five goalie. Jordan Bennington. Yeah, Jordan Bennington. Uh, Corey Crawford's not a top-five goaltender. Uh, he just retired, but, I mean, yeah. he After, won. I think he drafted when fantasy he retired. Yeah, <laughs> couldn't, couldn't do that sooner. Right? That, that's ready stands. <laughs> All right, let's move on to fan questions, and we'll wrap up the show here. We had a, a cool. lot of stuff here. Uh, Chris was the first question. He asked, "Is Perry done?" I think this was post waiver clear. Is Corey Perry done? No, he's on a taxi squad. Yeah, but is his career like? Is he ever making a consistent? You know, is he playing 60, 70 games? No, no, no. He's, he's, he's not making fourth line at all. Like, I mean, he lucked down and gets a taxi squad this year. That's about it. If you can't make that Montreal I squad, I, I don't know if you're making many other teams out there. That was my comment. He didn't make Montreal. He's not making it anywhere else. I don't think it was that he couldn't make Montreal. Montreal, it's that Montreal took his contract and him on the taxi squad and get that off of their salary cap. So he's literally not on their salary cap. If my understanding of the taxi squad is correct, he gets to go be on there and can jump in whatever he wants, and he's not on the salary cap. 
unless I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, it depends on what his contract is because I think if it's at seven hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, okay, for one year, yeah, okay. So then he makes basically AHL money. I, I meant if he was a one way or two way. Because if he was one way, they're going to pay him NHL money no matter what, if he's on the taxi squad or not. Well, they, they pay him, but it wouldn't count against his salary cap is what I yeah. was going Yeah, yeah but I mean, would, would you want to pay a guy 750 k to not play when you could put a guy no, down there the and pay AHL well, money? Necessary, yeah. I, I, I think his career is over. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, his career is a starter, right? So. I think this is gear is kind of his make-or-break year this year, and by by big, I mean, you know, you know, six or seven goals, but they're timely. He looks like he, you know, he's doing okay. Uh, I think you can definitely see him getting another deal next year. If he doesn't play well this year, I think it's most likely the end of it for him. It's just, it, in my opinion, it's a swan song. He, he played in London. He's Canadian. He gets to play for Canada or Montreal or whatever, the Canadians. This is just it. It's like in my last year, I'm getting paid $6 million by the Ducks. I'll take the league minimum salary right now. I'm still getting paid for the next two years. I just want to play for a Canadian team, and here I am, and hopefully Montreal does well, but I just want to say I play for a Canadian team. It's a he swan song, in my opinion. He's done after this. He, he moved back anywhere. to London, and it, the, really the only two teams that seemingly were in for him were Toronto and Montreal. I, you know, I don't want to say, because I don't know, that he was only looking at Canadian teams, but it would make a little bit more sense for him in this point of his career with everything going yeah. on to be able to stay within the country and stay a bit closer to home. Um, so I don't think he's, you know, obviously he's disappointed. I'm sure he wanted to play and wanted to make the team uh, and, and be an important player for them. Um but I can't. If he gets another contract after this year, I I would have to think it's with another Canadian team. I don't really see him going abroad unless it's, you know, a one day contract to retire with the Ducks. I I can't see him moving out of Canada at this point. We, you know, what's interesting, and I didn't think about it that way until you just said it. But it, you know, if next season, right, the world is semi back to normal and like we have a border that you can cross. I do think it becomes easier for him to play for some of those Northeast teams. You know, he could maybe play for a Detroit. He could maybe play for a Buffalo. I mean, I think technically Buffalo is farther north than uh, Toronto or Ottawa, something like that. Like, you know, just the weird geography of borders. If it's an open border again, it does make it easier for him to sign somewhere else. But with that not being a thing yet, it definitely makes more sense for him to stay on the other side. Yeah. He's closer to home if he plays in Buffalo than Montreal. So, he's, he, um, let's let's go through this. We got a, a few more questions here. We'll kind of quickly buzz through these. Uh, Dave asked which Ducks forward finishes with the most points and which Ducks D man. We'll go one by one here. Just name off your Ducks forward that finishes with the most points and your Ducks D man. We'll start with uh, Stephen. What what is uh, what are your guys? Uh, I will say Max Jones and Hampus <laughs> Lind- with the most points at the end of the year. Yep, I like it. I like it. Guys. Jay, who do you got? And they're both going to have seven. <laughs> <laughs> the whole seven? <laughs> seven Is combined. it my turn? Yeah, your turn. Go. Oh, uh, uh, I'll do Shattenkirk. I think he's getting more on the power play. Pat? Um, I'm going to go with Sam Steele, and I would also go with Cam Fowler on defense. I like I like the shout for Sam Steele. Um, mine's got to be similar here to to Jay. 
Uh, I'm going Henrique and, and Shattenkirk. I, I just, I, I don't see, if that line isn't getting split up, I don't see how one of those three on that Adam Henrique, Raquel, Silverberg line don't finish with the most points on the Ducks. And then Shattenkirk, with all the power play time he's going to get, uh, I, I just see him finishing with around 25, 30 points. I don't see another Ducks defenseman really coming that close to it. Maybe Lindholm. But uh, those are my uh, Gibson, uh, one goal under or over? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely under because the Ducks are never going to be in a position where he's going to be able to uh, shoot on an empty netter. <laughs> under. <laughs> so you've got to set the line in half, though. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. You guys have to deal with me now. We're answering this. Killer Seals has penalty minutes on the team. I'm picking Getsy on that. Whoa. Nick Deloria. He's going to fight if you Yeah, people. Deloria. I think I think he'll fight Getzloff <laughs> <laughs> at some point. Deloria's going to fight Getzloff in a game? <laughs> it's going to get that bad. Um, Dave asked another question. He said, what would you say is the X factor besides Gibson standing on his head that would get the Ducks into that fourth spot in the West? Special teams. Power play. Two yeah. special teams, Steven? Yeah, I mean, I think it's special teams, but just to continue my thing of saying things just to be annoying, I'll say uh, bringing the Calder Trophy to Anaheim. Yeah, Trevor Zegers. I like that answer. Yeah, for me, for me, it's the young kids. They're they're a production this year if they take a step forward. So that includes Zegers in that fold too. But obviously, Sam Steele and Trey Terry Jones and Comtois and, and Lindstrom. Can they? Can they take that next step forward? That's uh, okay. Well, this question is from Shane. I just want him to know that I'm going to skip his question. Um, Good. I know. I knew about what under you, underwear you were wearing. Pretty, pretty much. Um, <laughs> Matt asks. No, he says how long? Oh, how geez. long is too long for Eddie? And how much Bacardi would it take for him to exceed limit? I'm asking about podcast runtime, obviously. No, he's not. He's, he's not. <laughs> I forgot you had access to the emails. <laughs> um, Matt asked, why does Bob Murray keep losing young NHL capable defensemen with upside to pay veteran NHL defensemen with no upside? Uh, <laughs> I, Shea Theodore, I agree. I don't know if this is referencing Kristen Juice and Ben Hutton, but I feel like it is. <laughs> I know. I think we kind of covered it in the fact that Juice might have been your sixth guy, your sixth guy again, then maybe your seventh guy or your eighth guy. It's 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 not a loss. I mean, you had Pedersen, and Pedersen was going to be your sixth guy, your seventh guy. We got rid of him to maybe get Sprung and hopefully get some offense. That guy didn't really produce any on the defensive side, so we couldn't really get in. So it was kind of like a... I don't want to say gamble, but they thought we'll get rid of our sixth defenseman. We'll get a guy who might be our top nine forward somewhere in there. Didn't work out. We traded him for getting back our third guy, and we kind of lost him in that whole shuffle of trying to put him through waivers. So, once again, I don't feel like we lost a whole lot. We just lost a guy that we can easily replace. He also asked, uh, I'm assuming, ironically, of course, who would you prefer, Shea Theodore or Kevin Shattenkirk? Shea Theodore? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's why I think it was. That's not even close. That's Shea Theodore all day. We would all, I, I hate talking about Shea Theodore because it just makes me sad. 
I like how you conveniently skipped over the World Juniors today, too, bud. Thanks. <gasps> <laughs> we talked enough. You talked about Trevor Zegers. What you want me to go more in detail about how he? No, won I wanted the to break medal? down the gold medal game. Then I wanted to play. Um, I wanted to play some videos I found online of people shitting on Canada. So <laughs> yeah, you can see that for people the got really upset about that uh, trash can, which wasn't a trash can. <laughs> That was ridiculous. We talked about that. We talked about that in Discord, so if you guys want to jump in Discord, you can hit us up on our Patreon, too. (laughs) I just troll Eddie there the whole time, by the way. It's fun. Yeah. Pete Blackburn had the best Twitter during the World Juniors. By far the best. He literally had the Canadian National Anthem going while all he was showing all the, the blocked messages of people saying, USA sucks, have have enjoy silver. Yeah, yeah he, he was there for the troll. It, he was there for the troll, 100%. <laughs> which I was all for, because I'm not a fan of, of how some of the Canadian fans approach those games. All right, what's the next one? Uh, last question from Brett. He said, realistically, fourth spot in the West isn't going to be out of reach. Is it better for the team to push for it and allow the kids to play meaning, meaningful games or tank and hope for another top draft pick? Push it, baby. Get the playoffs. Absolutely not. It's a terrible idea. <laughs> stupid. I here's the thing. You're I don't stupid. think it counts as playing meaningful game and walk into getting destroyed by Colorado or Vegas. Like I don't I don't need to be a speed bag. It's fine. I'd rather be able to watch and not have to watch the ducks get murdered. Jay? It's does anybody think they make the second round? No, I mean, it depends who they play. Probably not. Um, I like Stephen. I'm always with you. I'd rather. I think the Ducks new do need a few more top draft picks. The problem for me is I don't think they're by far the worst team in this division, and that's going to cause some issues in in their quest for another top five pick. The, the way everything's kind of laid out this year, with the the, the different divisions, like there's going to be some very bad teams in those other divisions that are going to kind of limit the Ducks in terms of their draft spot this year. Like, the Ducks will pick up wings, wins against the Kings and the Sharks and Arizona throughout throughout this season. I would rather a top draft pick 100% than the Ducks scraping into a playoff spot, but I think they're probably going to scrape into a playoff spot or get close. I just think you have a better... I They... On, in any spot, they have a better shot of winning the lottery than making the second round. And you just got to play the odds. I don't care if you finish fifth. I don't care if you finish last. You know what I mean? I don't, don't care if you have the best record amongst teams not in the playoffs. You have a better shot of winning the lottery than winning a first round. Jason's I still want to go to the playoffs. I want to be fun. Jason's frozen photo is scaring me a little bit. <laughs> it looks like, he's, looks like he's coming out of like some vortex uh, out of a... Doctor Strange movie. <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast after the fact and you're on audio, go check out the YouTube on either Twitch or uh, or yeah, go check out the the video on either YouTube or Twitch and scroll to the end and yeah. look at Jason's face. It's great. <laughs> it's not looking good. Are we at the yeah, end. Well, yeah, we just have an announcement about post game shows. Um, so Thursday we'll be back with the first post game show of the season. Uh, we're hoping to, to kind of do after every game. Originally, we were going to do after every two games set, but eh, we'd rather do after every game when we can. For back-to-backs, it will still be yep. the same. We'll cover the second game of the back-to-back. So that means for the next upcoming games, we'll have a show Thursday. We'll have a show Saturday after the second Vegas game. 
uh, a show after the Wild game on Monday and Wednesday, a show, and then a show after the Avalanche game on Friday and Sunday. So our first kind of um, two-game set where we won't have a show is the, the Blue Series, where they play the 30th and 31st of January. We'll just have one show on the 31st because uh, there's really no point in doing back-to-back shows two nights in a row. There's never enough content to cover. But at least for the first, uh, I think, 10 games of the season, we'll have a post-game show. So we're happy to be back with that. I mean, sort of. There are late games. So that's, <laughs> I'm no, I don't know if I've mentally prepared for... There's a lot, a lot of 5 o'clock, a lot of 6 o'clock Pacific time. Pacific time. Not yeah, bad. that's that's the key. I'm... <laughs> You're saying you big baby. I'm mentally Most preparing we're starting at seven. for 1 p.m. show starts, all right? Or 1 a.m. 1 a.m. show, show starts. starts, right. 1 a.m. show starts, so. That's when it starts in February, baby. We got a 7 o'clock, a 7 o'clock, a 7 o'clock, a 7. And a se- well, a the 7 first two games 30. of the season. Every San Jose game is 7. 10 o'clock starts, my time. Oh. So 7 o'clock there. Oh, it's beautiful. In February, back uh, at 7.30 has been beautiful. I miss them though. I miss the post game show. It's been way too long, and I don't know if I, I don't know if I miss the post game show or I just miss watching hockey and talking about hockey games after the fact. It's a little bit of both. We'll see, because we're gonna be right into it pretty quickly. <laughs> so, well, if that's it, then I think that's the end of the show for us tonight. Thank you everybody for tuning in. Like Eddie said, we'll be back on Thursday and then again on Saturday. Steven will be joining the show on Saturday's post-game show with Eddie. And uh, Jay and I will be drinking with but Dave and Jimmy. So win we'll on Thursday time. or loss against Vegas to open the, the season? I'm going with a W. Open the season with a W. Oh, with a loss. Yeah, why not? I hope it's a W. That'd be nice. Open the post-game show with a W. Steven reluctant, reluctantly. Oh, let's be ridiculous so, here. I have, yeah. Let's do final score and game-winning goal. Let's oh, go man. for it. Uh, six to four win with Tampa's uh, <laughs> Lindholm. A the barn game. burner. I think Ducks win a game if they only score four goals and the other team scores six. I got I got a three, six three one win for Vegas. Third goal is an empty netter. I'm taking the fun route tonight. Everything's such a bummer with this team with everybody else. Steven's got the Ducks getting <laughs> yeah. six wins in their first twenty, and one of them is an opening day victory. Typical Ducks fashion, though. We're going to win game one, get us all hyped, and then lose 15 of the next 20. <laughs> Always a good time. Would, I'll go 2 0 Ducks, and Milano gets both oh, goals. Milano, because please. then we'll never see him again. <laughs> He'll never play him again. Se- Dave said 7 1 Ducks <laughs> win to Lorraine with a hat trick. Hockey. It's still like we're on Ducks Nation on Facebook. Started now. off the way you finished yeah. it, man. Uh, but. If Delorey gets a trick, is that the hair of the dog? Yeah, it's got to be. <laughs> Brett said 4-2 Vegas, Carlson game-winning goal, and Hockey Millennials had Larson own goal for the game-winning goal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, it's so right. good. No, realistically, I would I would go Vegas win. Honestly, I think it will be, like, be like 3-1. That's a 3-1. It's win. in Vegas, right? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't yeah, mean anything, but it's in Vegas. Um Nah, that's a tough team to beat, man. That's ridiculous. So if they only hold, if they only lose, if they only give up three goals, that'll be fine with me. Yeah. It's very hard for me to think they they give up let three goals or less, and I'm not like happy with how they play. As long as it's on Fowler and Manson and not Lindholm and Schatz, I'm okay with it. All right. Well, we will be <laughs> live uh, about probably about ten to fifteen minutes after the game on Thursday. Hopefully, uh, we'll be. So about nine thirty, nine forty-five. What? 
<laughs> yeah, our time. Your time. Would oh, be like true. Yeah, I was so I was so confused for a second. Yeah, nine nine thirty nine forty five uh, Pacific time. We'll be live on Twitch. Yeah, Dave just asked. Yeah, we'll be live on Twitch. We're live on Twitch all season. So anything that isn't Patreon related, we're live on Twitch. So our regular shows, our post game shows. Uh, other than I guess if we have any interviews lined up for this season, which we've been trying to work on a few, but COVID. COVID derailed our Jamie Drysdale interview, which was upsetting, but we might be able to set yeah. that up. Well, no, actually, we probably won't be able to set that up until he leaves the Ducks because the Ducks hate us. So That's true. Very true. They don't like us. So we'll try. Once he goes back to Erie, we will try. But we have to wait until the, the OHL has a season. All right, guys. Have a great night.